0: Welcome back to the Believing and Achieving podcast, where we discuss all things health, longevity, improvement, awareness, and creativity. I am your host, Kylie Comstock, a self-taught master of the mind and body. Each episode, we will have guests from different backgrounds, stories, and knowledge to help you unlock the power within and incinerate your goals. Start recording here. Hey, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode on the Believing and Achieving podcast. Today's episode is episode 32, um, which is awesome. So today's guest is someone who is changing lives and helping others to heal both physically and mentally. Tori is a holistic health advocate who overcame an eating disorder and helping others to do the same. Through sharing her recovery journey, she has been able to connect and help so many other people suffering around the world. Tori, we are so blessed to have you on today.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Also, that intro was so kind. Wow, like I feel really good about myself now. But (laughs) no, if anything, I have to say like the community I've created has changed me and impacted me even more so than I feel like I've impacted them. So I just feel really grateful to, you know, be here and be representing that like amazing community.
0: Oh, I love that! I love that you've built such a strong community too. Like the engagement on your posts and your comments, like everybody is connecting with what you're posting, which is, you know, so important with any page. Um, so I'd love for the audience to learn a bit about like your health journey. Um, can you give like a bit of a background from like beginning of like your health journey to now?
1: Yeah. So. Essentially, where my page came about is I developed an eating disorder when I was 19. I had just quit my college sport. I played volleyball at Dartmouth, um, which is like a small school up north. Um, I essentially broke my ankle and my sport was over. And so, look at what
0: I'm wearing. Not to interrupt you, but oh
1: my gosh, wait, you're wearing a Dartmouth honey? I'm obsessed. No way. That actually I'm like dead. Okay. I need to get a Dartmouth hoodie too, because I'm such a bad alumni. Um, but I love that. It looks so cute on you. Okay. okay yeah. Not to interrupt. I, just I wanted
0: to show you. I was
1: like, no, that's that like it's meant to be, but yeah. So I went to Dartmouth and I broke my ankle. My sport was over and I just became really hyper aware of my body. I think because in my head, I always assumed like, that your body had to match kind of the things that you were into. So in my head, if you were a sorority girl, you were skinny. If you were an athlete, you were allowed to have an athletic body, Um etc. And so I just figured, you know, because I'm no longer an athlete, my body has to look a certain way. I no longer fit that mold. And so now my body isn't good enough. And so what I, you know, intended to be a little let me lose five pounds, let me lose 10 pounds, which, you know, I think could be done in a healthy way for some people. For me, it just wasn't possible to be done in a healthy way. Unfortunately, I do have like PTSD from childhood trauma. I struggled with OCD because of it. And I just struggle in general with like some anxiety and depression things. And a lot of times eating disorders can be co-occurring or come from other mental health disorders. And so I like to say the recipe was just there for this to go really poorly for me. So I ended up developing an eating disorder that lasted for about five and a half to six years. And just earlier this year, about seven months ago, I decided to choose recovery, which for me meant going to an intensive outpatient treatment place a couple states away in Kansas. I'm actually from North Carolina. So it was a big deal for me to go out of state and kind of try something new. And I remember I created my Instagram account the first day of treatment just to keep me truly accountable because I didn't think that I could recover without that accountability for some reason from an online community. And so since then, it's really transformed from something that has kept me accountable to just something that I can share like my journey with and all the ups and downs of recovery. I always like to say, and my faith. Um, I always like to say that I wanted to be that recovery person that I feel like I never had like someone to talk about the really hard things and not just gloss over everything as in like recovery is worth it like it is and like I want the real stuff like let's talk about it Um, so that was a really really long winded way of saying (laughs) how I got my eating disorder and how I got to where I am now but yeah that's kind of my story.
0: I love so many things that you talked about and pointed on. Um, I think that like everyone I've talked to who has struggled in with eating disorders, with, you know, mental health, a lot of it comes from quitting a sport. You, like you had said, I, I think you're really, really good at describing like, certain thought processes and like bringing awareness to them because a lot of times I think people really struggle to be open about the way that things really are like they hate saying like oh like I developed an eating disorder oh I had issues with mental health like I think it's just a matter of like figuring out and becoming aware of like what your struggles are because everybody has them and so it's like to be like you said to kind of gloss over things and pretend like they're not there doesn't really do justice like you have to be open with sharing in order to create a community and to create, you know, something beautiful out of something that was really, really challenging. Um, But yeah, so I think a lot of people relate to you on the fact that they quit a sport and then they look to just lose a couple pounds and then it's like, well, I could eat a little bit less today and then a little bit less and then a little bit and then it adds up, adds up, adds up until over time you've, you've got yourself, way farther than you were planning. And, you know, speaking from experience, that's definitely something I can resonate with. I had quit my sport and I never, for me and my story to kind of like relate to you, it wasn't the same. Like I had, um, gotten just into working out and exercising and eating healthy. And I was actually at a healthy weight for a while, but it's like, once I started tracking and like, once I started like, kind of really diving down on the nutrition portion of things I you know did develop kind of like that unhealthy relationship with food and I was super active with my job anyway so I think it just comes in a a myriad of ways and I think like you said a lot of times it is so deeply connected to mental health and like that's where I think like the journaling and like talking with people about it like you know outpatient treatment or talking to like a therapist somewhere where you can get your thoughts out and recognize like what each thought is and like where it's coming from so yeah I no, love-
1: exactly. and I think too like to build on that you know the eating disorder at the end of the day we like to say you know it's bad and it is but it's also a maladaptive coping mechanism it's what you used at the time to cope with whatever it was you're facing. And so that's why a lot of the treatment is finding healthier ways to cope. Those eating disorder thoughts might not go away in a second. They might take years to go away. You know, I'll be very transparent and say, I still struggle. Currently I'm struggling actually the past couple of days, you know, with having some more eating disorder thoughts, but I know how to cope with them in a way that I couldn't before. And so that's why treatment is so important because you really do that work to separate your authentic self and like the things that matter to you from that eating disorder voice and the things that matter to it. So when your your values don't align to the eating disorder values and you're really able to act in a way that aligns with your authentic self, it just, the ED doesn't have as much power over you. So I did want to mm. like say that too.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's so important that people separate like the ED from themselves because it, it again, like It is just like a mental, and this is kind of what shocks me a lot of times about eating disorders is it's like, it's not a matter of like, it's not the food. It's not like, it's not the actual food. That's the problem. It's the need for control. It's the need for, you know, you want to, there's life is crazy. Like there's so many things going on all the time. And I think we get like circumstances thrown at us. We get all these different things that are happening and we just want a sense of control. And I think- that's where that comes from. Um, and kind of like piggyback, I feel like I didn't, I want to finish one more thing, just like with kind of my story. Um, I feel like with me, it wasn't really like once I started tracking, I was fine for a while, but it's just like that, comp- like that competitiveness that comes. And that comes, I think with like sometimes a little bit of OCD, like you want to be like the very best and you get obsessed with becoming the best. And so you get like it's really weird. You get competitive with like eating less, which is like the weirdest thing, but what that comes from back to like the mental health aspect of things where that thought comes from is like, Oh, I'm insecure in my body. And somehow this sense of control is going to help me to feel more secure. So yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. And I think you touched on a really good piece and sorry. I, I just wanted to highlight if anyone is listening to this, you know, most people who struggle with eating disorders are those type A, overachieving, competitive, perfectionistic type people. Because if you weren't, like if you're type B, and I'm not saying you can't be type B, but it's just the eating disorder is obsessed with perfection. Like it thrives on that personality type. It thrives on the obsession with numbers, with like hitting things perfectly, like that sense of control. And so I have seen a lot I I feel like every single person I've met with an eating disorder has a very similar type A personality as Mm -hmm. I do, which like, again, I'm not, that's an overgeneralization, but I feel like that resonates with quite a few people. And that's not a bad thing. It just is. I always like to take a step back. Like none of this is bad. It's just more information we can use to fight the disease.
0: Mm, Yeah. And I think too, like based off of, I mean, some of my experiences as well as I think you can get to like a healthy place with like, you know, wanting to lose weight and having goals. Like, I think you totally can, but it's just a matter of like, you have to go through the hard to get the good. So I feel like you have to go through all the recovery, all of the, you know, the maybe outpatient treatment or therapy or journaling, whatever that is, or maybe all three to be able to get to a point to where you're like, okay, now I can have fitness goals. Now I can, you know, pursue exercise in a healthy way like there is a light at the end of the tunnel and I think that's really important for people to understand is like you won't be stuck there forever and I think it begins with like you said separating the ed voice from you um and so anyway going kind of from that same point let's see I have like a gazillion questions I do this every single podcast um so let's see Okay, so yeah, speaking on that, how did you maintain a positive mindset and self care routine post recovery, um, and what practices have proven essential for your ongoing well being?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I think a couple. I always go back to my journal because I don't know if I have it with me. No, I I created journals actually. Um, it's called the discomfort is growth journal, and I kind of promoted it a little bit on my Instagram, but it's just. A journaling practice is really what grounds me every single morning. And as part of my journaling practice, it's not just like throwing my words down on paper, but it's really thinking about what are truths I can tell myself today in the face of any lie that I have. So oftentimes it's like mantras that I use throughout my day. Um, I think another thing is like, what are mental reframes or gratitude that I can use again like to ground myself in the morning throughout the day I do find that like first five minutes that I just sit down and do my journal is a way that I ground myself for the rest of the day so I don't know if other people similarly find like a nice morning routine to ground themselves but that definitely works for me um and then I'd also say like I just do these check-ins throughout the day. It's really weird, but I just always call it tuning in. So I used to just suppress all of my emotions. And then at the end of the day, I would be like, okay, is there anything I need to think about before bed? And for me, that just left me feeling really overwhelmed every day. And so I try to check in like every couple hours of just like pausing, like sitting my feet on the ground, taking a couple deep breaths and being like, are we okay like how are we doing how are we feeling what do i need in this moment and so i don't think it's per se anything major i think you can do this anywhere which is great but it's just taking that time to tune into yourself instead of suppressing because when we suppress that's when like things can kind of bubble up but if you're constantly tuning in and constantly reaffirming these mantras to yourself and telling yourself you know we're okay we're safe um that's really just helped me navigate i think my day-to-day life and feel pretty emotionally stable
0: that is such such a good practice for people who are struggling um and even if you're not like even if you're just trying to you know really understand yourself and get to know yourself better um i think the first step to like overcoming any challenge or just honestly being able to talk openly about your experiences is awareness it's like knowing what you know okay that was an emotion that's what triggered me to be you know reactive with people around me or I was feeling really sad this morning and so you know that's why I had emotional breakdown in the evening like there's I think it helps you just to understand the reasons as to why you're acting out the way you are and also to help you again like get through those hard times um I really like that you start your day with journaling. Um, and then also too, like with fitness and with like all of that, how do you how do you kind of like maintain your fitness um, with post-recovery? What is like oh, yeah, your approach, really I guess?
1: Yeah, I honestly love that question because I think the recovery community does a really poor job talking about exercise in general. I think it's just kind of this taboo thing that we think, Is kind of an all or nothing approach. Like, you either get no exercise or when you're recovered, you finally get it back. And, like, why would we add this punitive measure on top of like the trauma of going through an eating disorder? Why are we going to like tell people they can never exercise when for a lot of people it does bring them joy? So, my approach, and this was in working with medical health professionals, was first of all, make sure you're medically stable. So, this is assuming you are medically stable and nothing. Is could go wrong if you do exercise. The second thing is, you know, have a conversation with medical professionals being very open about here are the things I struggle with with when it comes to exercise. I have overwhelming thoughts. I feel like sometimes I do compulsive movement. I want to work on X, Y, Z. These are things that you can work on, I think, while still exercising and setting limitations around movement. So for me, I really struggled with like, feeling like I had to burn off every ounce of food that I ate. And I think that's something that a lot of people in recovery in with an eating disorder resonate with. And so my dietitian and I had these discussions about, you know, fact checking nutrition and what it was like to have, you know, food, and how your metabolism actually like functions like checking nutritionally all the facts and stuff. I don't really know how to talk about nutrition stuff, but she basically just fact-checked with me all the nutrition stuff so I knew factually how nutrition worked. And then when I went and did, you know, exercise stuff, I would exercise how I was feeling before movement, how I was feeling during movement, and how I was fe- feeling after my movement. And I really used that to kind of analyze my thought process about movement. I also, you know, would kind of use that information in future sessions to have discussions with her about, like, what movement do I think I should be doing and how long do I think I should be doing movement? All that to say, like, that was a lot of just kind of all over the place. But I think those discussions with our care teams are so important because it really is person dependent in my personal opinion of like what movement should look like for different people um and I did find like journaling before and after movement to be really helpful as well as that like nutritional fact checking and then now that I'm actually kind of more in a healthy like recovered space I wouldn't say I'm fully recovered but I am in like a much happier place like I really am able to be much more flexible with movement so it's breaking that connection between movement and food that I think is so critical. And once you've broken that, you can kind of move again for fun. So I do like yoga, I do weightlifting, I do running, like all those different things. And I like to change it up because I think the eating disorder really thrives when every day looks exactly the same, because again, it's like control. And so I do try to switch it up like every day, like do something different, do something new. Um, so I know that was a really long answer, but I wanted to throw some tips as well as like my personal experience in there.
0: No, that was awesome. I think that's super helpful for people. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious too, like kind of piggybacking off of all the fitness, like talk, um, is what would you recommend? I know a lot of times, you know, they'll do like inpatient there. Is it inpatient? Is that what it's called when they go into the actual facilities? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah like with athletes and stuff but i'm curious to know like like with athletes if they are struggling with an eating disorder do you recommend do you think that that's smart for them to do like inpatient and just like completely cancel it out or like what do you what do you suggest for it at like an athlete
1: i think that's a really good question um obviously it's person dependent and i always say you know i'm not a doctor but i do want to be very transparent with people on this podcast inpatient is going to be a really really harsh reality I think the goal is don't ever get to inpatient if you don't have to go to inpatient don't go you know and I and I mean that in a way of you don't want to get to the point where you have to go because their focus on inpatient and I've had several medical professionals tell me this is to you know Make you gain weight. They want you to get to a medically co- like non-compromised place. They want you to gain weight, and it's exposure to food. So everyone will be on a pretty large meal plan and be expected to complete every meal. Movement will not be allowed. No form of movement, um, and there will be punishment in a way if you don't finish your meals. And so, and I want, and I want to be open about this because. I think it's just something like secretive that people don't talk about. Like inpatient is really tough and you don't want to have to get to that place. Um, And it's not that I don't recommend you go because if you need to go, you, you need to go. But I would say, you know, for me personally, meeting with my dietitian and my care team and slowly just having these discussions about what would movement look like if we limited it some this week and then we limited it more the next week and kind of nego- not negotiated, but advocated for myself and my values of which fitness is one and had those discussions. I just think it's a, a much more equal playing field when you get to outpatient stuff versus when you're inpatient, you tr- truly do lose a lot of that, that ability to advocate for yourself—you really are agency. in many ways, yeah, agency exactly. You you really are in many ways kind of reverted to a child, you know, because at that point it, it is assumed that like you aren't able to care for yourself, you aren't able to feed yourself, um, or have any relationship with movement. Like we have to start from square one. And so, I did just want to share that, not in a judgmental way at all, for these facilities. I think they're very much needed do I think some I don't know some some reformation needs to go on in my opinion in a lot of these facilities but I I do want to just you know share like to be honest that is how those are are kind of managed and if you can't avoid it by in a healthy way working with your care team I I personally would that's a tough topic yeah. to talk about,
0: honestly. No, definitely is and That's, that's kind of why I was like, maybe I'll just ask her because I think yeah. you're very like versed with all of this. And so it was a great answer. Um, I think too, like, it is important to realize again, like of back to like what I said in the beginning, that like, there is a lot at the end of the tunnel and like, you could have a consistent exercise routine and be recovered. Like, I think it's just yeah. a matter of like, of like you said, like being really in tune with your body like if you are doing something compulsively like it's forced or you're making yourself do something that like you really don't want to do but like as far as exercise I think that's when you realize okay I probably could use some help in this area I think when you can feel when you can move in with your you can move with your body um in a way that makes you feel good and again like you can play around with it um, I think that's when you know. Okay, you know what? I am recovered. I feel good. Um, as far as exercise goes, but yeah. I love I love your answers, and I think they probably could use a little bit of you know help in those facilities for sure. But <laughs> you know, uh, they're they're also helping people as well. So,
1: oh, exactly. And I okay. will say that, like, to, just to build on your point really quickly, was I? I also know a lot of athletes have been, you know told and conditions that we like it's just the grind you know like we do things even when we don't want to do them even when you don't have motivation head to the gym and i do want to say like the eating disorder community and fitness is typically the opposite of that it's like if you don't have motivation don't do it like that means that it's not mindful movement that means it's bad i just want everyone to kind of just explore the gray a little bit more it's mm. okay for your motivation's not to be perfect one day The Mm -hmm. whole idea of perfection is thrown out the window. So for me, you know, maybe 90% of myself has perfect motivations and like definitely wants to go on a run because I, I just really want to, and 10% of myself, that eating disorder voice would also be happy if I went on a run. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Obviously that's room for improvement. We want to grow from that. We don't want it to always be like that, but you don't have to like not go on the run because two percent of your eating disorder or whatever it is wants you to also I just feel like there's so much black and white with these things and like it can be not perfect that's the whole point of recovery it's like we're learning and growing and it's it's okay like I just feel like I don't know the black and white stuff always bothered me so much I'm like let's just get out of that like
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely I'm so happy you brought that up and I think that's like Cause like me, so I actually had a podcast um last week with, I don't know if you know, like Sky Ray fit, whatever, do you know her?
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like fangirl over her. I like, I love <laughs> her so much. I doubt she knows who I am. I comment on like all her posts, but she's so cool.
0: She's super cool. But we talked about this a lot. Like um just how like we, there's a lot of um focus on like self-care, right. In the eating disorder community. And like, that's great. But like discipline is also a form of self-care, you know? And so it's kind of like, I feel like, you know, sometimes it is like, okay, maybe I'm not motivated to go on a run, but like, I know I've been kind of like just chilling all day. It would probably feel good to get outside and to move my body. Like at the end of the day, like exercise is so good for your body, right? It is so good for your mind. And I think especially when you're recovering, like the mental side, even if it's just a walk, like it actually is, you know, a really great thing. And I think, like you said, it's important to explore the gray area as far as like, what feels right for you, because I think it's going to be so different dependent on the person and, um, really just like, again, taking care of yourself, but also listening to your body. And I think that will be yeah. different for everybody. Yeah. 100%. Um, okay. So next question for you. Um, let's see. So. Can you shed, this is a good one. Can you shed some light on the misconceptions or stigmas surrounding eating disorders that you would like to challenge or debunk?
1: <laughs> I've got to make my answer shorter because sometimes I feel like I'm just like on my pedestal and just rambling off things. But that is the whole yeah, point. I'll, You're so good. <laughs> I'll say a couple. Um, okay. The first one is, and and I'm at fault for this too, but you know, I think I just always assumed that girls are the only ones who can get eating disorders. And I just want to reinforce that people of all genders um, can, in fact, get eating disorders. It doesn't matter what you identify as. Anyone is capable of developing an eating disorder. Secondly, anyone of any size could have an eating disorder. Specifically, anorexia is not the only eating disorder. There's also binge eating disorder, bulimia, ARFID. Um, Those are a lot of the, you know, more typical ones that you see. And and it just doesn't have a look. Like, that's the thing. It is a mental illness. It's not like a body illness. So you can't just label someone as having an eating disorder based off of the shape of their body. Um, I can't believe we're in 2023 and still have to explain this to people. But, you know, if people are willing to learn, let's help them learn. And I think just another thing that really I want – parents to know especially is that your child did not choose to have an eating disorder it's not a choice it's not something that you asked for even if you did take those initial actions to be in a healthier place at first maybe by losing a couple of pounds and you had good intentions and you did choose to you know try to actively lose weight that doesn't mean you chose an eating disorder that means that you chose a something that was in the wellness or diet culture you know sphere that we've been ingrained and conditioned to believe is good for us and then unfortunately, just developed a mental illness along the way. So I know that was kind of like a rambling, but those are the big three things And I'm just like, people, please understand this,
0: <laughs> yeah. those are all huge. I, I think especially the one about like how women aren't the only ones susceptible, especially like, yeah, like especially with uh the expectations of males in the way they're supposed to look. like, in society, they're supposed to have, like, as far as if they go to the gym, they, they're supposed to look like they have a six pack and they're supposed to look like, you know, super shredded. But it's like to maintain that can be really hard. And I think a lot of times there is kind of a lot of like mental illness surrounding that. But a lot of people don't really like give attention to. They kind of just ignore it because they think it's like normal. But a yeah. lot of times I think it's actually not. And they just don't even like take into account um how they're actually like thinking and like their thought processes um because again like it's not as normal for guys to connect with their emotions either so yeah. i think that that's like super hard and then also too like how you said people can have eating disorders in all different sides like sizes and um they can they don't have like a look like someone could be suffering and you have no idea um yeah. so speaking on kind of some advice for other people um. What were some, so you talked about, you talked about like journaling, but um, what strategies or therapies did you find the most uh, beneficial in rebuilding a healthy relationship to food and your body?
1: Yeah. So I would definitely say if someone hasn't talked with a dietitian and a therapist, if they're able and have those resources, I definitely recommend it. I think If you can get specifically with an eating disorder dietitian and therapist, that's ideal just because they're used to dealing with these types of things. Um, And the reason it's twofold, it's not just one or the other, is because I love my dietitian because she handles all of my meal plan stuff for me. So at this point, I'm at the intuitive eating phase, but for a, a while, I was on a very strict meal plan based on my nutritional needs. And it was nice to have someone basically manage that for me, you know, eating disorders thrive on numbers. And if you don't have to know those numbers, and someone else can, I think that's a a great thing. So my dietitian knows my weight knows how many, you know, calories or whatever that I need a day, all my macro stuff like that. Um, And she also was able to, which I talked about a little bit earlier, just nutritionally fact check stuff for me, and help me challenge some of the nutritional lies, I told myself, for example, you know, carbs are bad, fats are bad, you know, the typical diet culture things, a dietitian can help you challenge through what is factually, you know, true. And then I think a therapist is helpful because cognitive behavioral therapy and um, dialectical behavioral therapy, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, um, are two really helpful you know, types of therapy that are typically beneficial for an eating disorder. Um, CBT is more just like talking kind of through things like cognitive behavioral therapy and like mental reframes, like changing the way your brain thinks. DBT is like distress tolerance, emotional regulation, um, And I can't remember all the others, but there are like a couple more like tools on DBT that you can do to work through the eating disorder. Both of those have like a lot of specific tools in them that I think therapists can help a lot with. Um, So I definitely recommend a therapist. And then also I do want to just say having a psychiatrist can be extremely helpful. I think a lot of people need to be on medication when they're fighting an eating disorder and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And so if you're willing to talk to a psychiatrist or your doctor, I think that's like a huge step because, you know, especially some of these like low dose anxiety medications can really help in reducing um, ED thoughts. So I did want to throw that out there too.
0: Yeah. I think getting professional help is definitely something that could, that is advised just because again, like it is an outside source and you're able to be able to talk to someone who knows how to help you. Like I think a lot of times we expect the people around us to to know how to help us. And I think sometimes when, you're going through mental illness. Sometimes they don't know how, like, and I think that's just like, it's not something that's rude. It's just a matter of like, people have gone to school to actually study the right questions to ask. Cause essentially that's what it is. It's like, it's just asking the right questions and helping the person to understand why they feel the way they feel and understanding their thought process so they can work through that. Um, so let's see. So what would you say, how did you manage the emotional aspects of recovery and what coping mechanisms uh, proved most effective for you? What'd you say?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So I actually just discussed coping mechanisms with my therapist, um, because the emotions can be kind of crazy, especially when your body's all out of whack, your hormones are all over the place. I can promise you, your emotions are not going to be stable day to day. Like you will just have days that. Suck, and that's just part of recovering. Um, so what I kind of did was I have this thing called my like toolbox. It's like my therapy toolbox. And I have these tools in my, you know, mental toolbox that I pull out at different times during the day when I need them. So like a lot of what I do tools wise is like mental reframe. So that's just replacing any negative thoughts with a positive thought. I use the stop method a lot, which is just if I spiral, I just tell myself stop. And I respond to the spiral with things I know to be true. So like, if I'm like, wow, I look horrible and fat today. I'll just be like, stop. That's like not a true thought. What I know to be true is my body image may change day to day based on how I feel that day. And that's okay. Um, A lot of what I do is like curiosity over judgment. So whenever I notice myself judging myself, I'll be like, okay, let's get curious instead. So I always say like, put down your judge's mallet, Tori. Take out your binoculars and assess the situation, what's actually happening, um, and don't judge yourself for it. And then I would say, I'll I'll say two more because I have like 15, (laughs) but another one I think is just it's helpful to zoom out. So a lot of times because the eating disorder is disordered, it will exaggerate everything. And it's really helpful to just zoom out of the current situation and say, okay, how big of a deal is this actually? Like in the grand scheme of life, when I am 90 years old, will I remember this moment? Will I care? And usually the answer is no. And then finally, just fact checking. So again, I think especially with food stuff, this can be really helpful, um, when you're when you're eating something and you're like this this one food will change my body or I'm terrified you know this one big meal is going to change my body factually like we check that by knowing that that is like biologically impossible like you can't change your body factually by eating one thing um so those are like the typical ones I use and then I also think too, just like if you can find ways to soothe yourself throughout the day, like that when I talked about like checking in with yourself and just, you know, a lot of times we just need to chill. Like I always tell myself that. Like we your mind is going a million miles a minute. And if you can just tune in and really reconnect to like your values and what matters to you, a lot of times like the whatever situation you're in seems so much smaller. So I think those are the ones I use the so most.
0: Those are all amazing. I like how you brought up that like your ED will make things irrational and it's important that you take a step back and you zoom out and say, okay, is this going to matter in a couple of weeks? Is this going to matter in a year from now? Probably not. Like I think it's it's rationalizing the thoughts. Um, and I think those tools can be super useful to people who maybe are struggling with this. Um, I wanted to ask you, I forgot on the last question I asked you you said that you follow a meal plan and you have someone who helps you with that I was curious to know do you feel like that meal plan has helped you like do you feel like it's helpful to have like a routine so that way you're not like guessing and everything you're able to just kind of be on that
1: yeah I think it's so helpful if anyone doesn't have a dietitian that's completely okay I recommend you check out the plate by plate approach it's actually like a certified eating disorder approach to eating um and the reason that it's so nice is like, there's no, the eating disorder love to kind of when there's not structure set up, it kind of likes to take advantage. So maybe it'll make a portion size smaller, maybe it will just tell you, oh, you can skip the snack. Like you don't really have a set thing that you have to follow. But no, when you actually do, when someone tells you, here's what you have to follow, not perfectly, the the point is never perfection, but hey, this is what we're aiming for every day. The eating disorder can't sneak in and be like, oh no, you can just skip that because you can't. You know, like Mm -hmm. this is your plan and that's what you get. So that was really helpful for me for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think like there's a stick, like a little bit of a stigma around like meal planning because it's like associated with like, you know, control sometimes, but then it's also like, okay, but also like, I think it actually can act in like a opposite way to where it's like, it helps you to calm down because you know, okay, I I have all these meals set up for me. So I don't have to like worry and question about, oh, if I should have this or, oh, I, I can skip that. Like you're able to just yeah. like stick to the plan. And that's kind of where, in my opinion, I think routines are actually so good for overcoming like eating disorders and people I think a lot of times people will be like whoa like routines are control but it's like okay but that sense of control can be changed to make it work for you now and it can also be in a healthy way and I think that's like really important to emphasize with eating disorders because I think a lot of times people think like you have to do things that are just like completely out of routine and like you know skip all the exercise eat all the things like I don't think that's true I think for some people, maybe, but for the most, I think people can still have a routine and it actually might help them recover even better.
1: Oh my gosh. I completely agree. And the whole point is like, we just have to get out of this narrative of control is bad. It's not bad to have control. If I sat here and told you that your life is out of control, would you feel good? No, you'd feel like shit about yourself. So it's not, not that you can't have control. It's like, are we having this maladaptive way of finding control? You mm-hmm. know, it's okay to find control in a healthy routine. Like, that's completely fine. Um, it's okay to eat your meals at the same time each day, too, if that is what works for you and it doesn't come from a disordered place. Mm-hmm. But I think it really is like, I think if I had to explain it in any way, it's that eating disorders are not one size fits all. So mm-hmm. you really have to find out what is your intention. I always talk about that word, like intention. What is your intention behind doing things? If you know that having a routine truly is a horrible intention for you, then maybe you don't do it. But if it does work for someone else and helps them, they can do it. You know, like it's it's not... We always want to play this comparison game of there's this one right way to do it, but that's the whole point. There's not. It's just finding what works for you.
0: Exactly. And I think coming back to that point is it's like, I like to think about this. I mentioned this in my last episode too, but like Mm -hmm. there's kind of like this teeter-totter in life and like you have, you know, when everything is like when you're investing in things as you should be like, you know, whether that's family relationships, whether that's work life, whether that's, and nothing's ever going to be perfectly balanced, you know? But I think like, when you start to notice that like a certain area of your life is tipping the totter like way far over and it's taking over, you know, relationships, it's taking over being able to work, being able to go to school, like all these things, that's when you realize, okay, that's when it's a problem. But when it's, you know, when you're able to maintain, you know, healthy relationships, like you're not, you're not skipping out to go hang out with friends to, you know, exercise all the time. Like you're not like controlled by, that certain area of your life, I think that's when you realize, okay, you know what? I'm in a healthy place. It's just a matter of like that taking over other areas of life.
1: I a hundred percent agree. And I think too, if you feel like you're in a healthy place, but there are people around you, you know, who question that because recovery means something different to them, that's okay. Let them think that, you know.
0: Exactly. I,
1: I follow this amazing, and I'm going to say her name because I think she's amazing. Her name is Katie Staten Fitness. She is fully recovered from an eating oh, disorder. Yeah, and I
0: follow she, her.
1: I mean, poor girl gets backlash constantly because, you know, she recovered into a smaller body. But let me tell you, she's extremely empowering. She seems to have a great relationship with fitness and with nutrition. And if she says she's fully recovered, who am I to question that? Why mm. are we hoping that people aren't recovered? I, Amen. I hope everyone's covered. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I just wanted to say, I wanted to shout her out because I think she's great. And I think she's doing amazing things. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And I think again, to your point of like curiosity over judgment, like if people are judging you, like you can be curious of like, Oh, why are they judging me? But also like, you know, it's important to like kind of diminish the judgment. So like, don't judge them back. Like if they're thinking about you in in other ways, you can be curious of like, Oh, I wonder why. But then it's also like, I don't really need to give my attention to that. Like people can think whatever they want. And I think especially like, you know, people who are close to you, family and friends, they might like question and they might think things about you, but like you're entitled to your own own opinion just as much as they are. And like, you can let them think what they want, but at the end of the day, like how you feel about yourself is going to be the most important thing.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's like, and at the end of the day, that's what recovery is. It's like finding, it's like low-key falling in love with yourself again, I feel like, Mm -hmm. because the EDU is so different than who you actually are. And I think there's a lot of power in being able to advocate for like your true self and like know that you don't have to live your life or look any way for anyone else. And Mm -hmm. that's like the most empowering thing about recovery is realizing like they can think what they want. Like, I don't give it an F like, I'm just going to go live my life.
0: Mhm. And I think it's so good to like, to challenge, to constantly be challenging that voice. Like, I think, I think it's important to, like I said, like we kind of talked about like routines and stuff. I think it's good to follow through with those things, but sometimes I think too, it's like, you know, doing things out of the norm and doing things that like you wouldn't normally it just to really help you um, overcome what is, what is scaring you? Because essentially it's a fear. Like, and I think even with like challenging, you know, certain foods, like you talked about that a little bit earlier. I think sometimes we get like this really like overwhelming thought, these overwhelming yeah. thoughts in our heads about like certain foods. And then it's like, once you eat them, you're like, was I really scared about that? Like, you're like, what the heck? Like, yeah. this is, you know, you kind of like get this out of body of like, yeah, like who is this person? Like, I'm discovering that like, that is just a voice. It's not me. Right
1: yeah exactly because like and two I think even exploring those fears of like okay I say I'm scared of this food but what am I actually scared of so it's like digging deeper into that fear are you actually scared of that food or you know my brain went to I'm scared that this food is going to make me gain weight if I gain weight then people are going to judge me if people judge me then what Mm. and like my shift was like if people judge me who cares Whereas like it used to be, if people judge me, that's the absolute end of the world. I'm nothing. I have no self-worth. And so that's why building up your self-esteem and knowing your inner worth is so important because then like you, you know, you're fine regardless of how your body changes because like, you know, your worth and that's what matters.
0: Mm. And I think an effective way to like find your worth is prove to yourself, do things every day that prove like to yourself, for yourself, not for anyone else, not for any other thing but for yourself, like do something every day that helps you realize, yeah, I keep my commitments to myself. Yeah. I hold standards. Like I, I have worth in the world. I have value I'm offering, whether it's like, you know, maybe it's your job that gives you that fulfillment, or maybe it's like the fact that you made dinner for your family. Like, yeah, I'm worthy. Like I'm look at what I'm doing for my family. Like, you know, just little things like that, that can help you to recognize your worth. Cause that's something I think I always struggled with too, was like, okay, well I'm not I'm worthless if I don't do anything and it's like that's not true but it it does help to have like actionable evidence from yourself to help you realize oh I am worthy like oh I have worth oh I have value in the world um but yeah, I love that you brought I, that up um okay I
1: agree. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> thanks um so let's see this is kind of going to be I think our last question let's see oh there's so many good ones No, insights. No,
1: you're you're like amazing over here with these interview questions. I'm like, I could not.
0: Oh, you're so sweet. You're doing so good. You totally could. You are great at answering them, and especially like pointing to like the actual science and bringing up like therapy and like all these different explaining the therapy. I'm like, I I'm learning all these things right now. (laughs) Um. Okay, so let's do let's do these last two. So um how has your experience shaped your attitude towards self-love body image and societal pressures related to appearance because you kind of just talked about self-love a little bit
1: yeah so I think you know a lot of my broken sense of self personally actually comes from like childhood trauma stuff so when I was six or seven um I you know, I was a victim of like childhood sexual abuse, which is something that I until recently had a ton of shame around and really felt like I couldn't talk about. And so a lot of the work I'm doing personally is just learning to be okay with myself and learning that just because something bad happened to me doesn't mean I'm a bad person and I'm not good enough. So that's a lot of the inner deep work that I've been doing. And I think you know, a lot of people do resonate with that, I want to say 25 to 30% of people, maybe more with eating disorders do have PTSD similar to me. Um, So I would definitely say like doing that important work, like I said, with a professional. But, you know, for the rest of us who just in general do struggle with a sense of self esteem, I think it is doing those things like you said, every day that give you like a sense of purpose and value, like reconnecting to your purpose to your why. For me, like, I'm also a Christian, like my worth is rooted in God and like him sending his son to die for me. Um, and through that, you know, I've been able to connect with like a Christian community and connect with people um, to be able to find things every day that like bring me joy, like like reading my Bible or, you know, doing my Instagram, connecting with different people because helping people really does give me a sense of purpose. Um and and also just like doing things for pure joy and like allowing that for myself. I used to only be able to do things like if I was being productive and I was like, "Tori, that is so bad. Like you you can do things just for pure joy. Like it's okay." And so I think allowing myself space for that and just allowing myself space to not be perfect, for things not to be perfect and to mess up and to have days where I think life sucks and I just don't want to keep going and and you still keep going. Like I think the biggest thing I've ever done is just start recognizing my wins. And that's a lot of what I do with my journaling too, is like, there are wins. Like I do awesome stuff every single day and I used to not give myself any credit for it, but like now I do because I deserve it. Like we all deserve to recognize our wins. Like if we want to see the world in a negative light, we can, we can go find it. Like there are, there are so many things to point to that suck about our world. And that's just me being like Frank, but you know, there are also really amazing things in it. And there are really amazing things that we do every single day. And I want to focus on that and shedding light on that, because that's truly like what life is recognizing the positives, recognizing how we contribute to those and like finding purpose in it.
0: No, 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 that was so good. I think I love how you said it. I'm also Christian. So I love how you talk about God and like rooting yourself in God and finding your light through him. And I mean, I know everyone listening is not like, you know, religious, but I think that like, if you can find, if you can find something that really grounds you, whether that be yoga, whether that be, um, you know, like reading your Bible or, you know, there's so many things that you can do in the world, whether it's like a hike, getting outside, like there's so many things that can ground you. I think like when you can actively participate in those things and again find like what is what is really connecting you to your why like you said like why are you doing the things you're doing and what really makes you feel your absolute best I think asking yourself those really important questions and doing the work like you said is like the most incredible thing you can do for yourself and I like how you brought up to um I forgot I wish I wrote it down but you were talking about like awareness within our, within our emotions and, um, recognizing kind of like why we're feeling the, the ways we're feeling and like coming back down to the root of the problem. I think a lot of times there's like, we just don't get to the root ever. We kind of just like, again, like we just kind of ignore those emotions, but it's so important that we like reconnect with those so that we can understand why we are doing the things we're doing. And like, again, like work on our behaviors and work on becoming better and focusing on the good as well. So yeah, a lot of good things you said. There was one point I was like, Oh, I really want to touch on that. And then I forgot about it. So I apologize. (laughs) Okay. So, um, let's do, this is a this is a good one to end on. um are there specific moments or insights from your recovery journey that you believe could resonate and help others facing similar challenges?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think it's just like don't let the eating disorder convince you that you haven't made progress. I think a lot of times we either compare or we think, oh, we should be in a certain place, or even sometimes you know I'll bring up numbers. I'm seven months along. I should be in this place, and it's like. You had your eating disorder for a really long time or you know, for a long enough time for it to impact you. It's okay if it doesn't take you overnight to get over it. Like give yourself Mm -hmm. grace. Some some people struggle with this like for their whole lives too. You know, some people have chronic eating disorders. And and I don't want there to be judgment around that. Like like, I just feel like there's so much judgment over that we give ourselves because it's like we're not in this place yet or we're not fully recovered yet. And I think we just need to like be kind to ourselves in the face of this. Like this is tough stuff. It's not fun to have an eating disorder. We didn't ask for this. We're doing our best, you know, hopefully every day to work through it and we can't control our emotions. So if one day you just, the eating disorder is louder and you feel like you're, you know, just at the worst place you've been in a while, get through the day get to tomorrow, be kind to yourself. This is temporary. Like this Mm -hmm. is not going to last forever.
0: Yeah. And I like, so something, an idea that I like to think about, and this is what I was going to touch on. So I'm glad I remembered, but it's like life is 50, 50. So it's like understanding that principle that it's like, it's not, it's not like the thoughts or emotions that you have one day that's going to like you know be the whole trajectory of your life you're not going to be at bottom at the bottom for forever like if you're having a really hard day most likely you're going to have a really good day like either tomorrow or sometime that week like i think it's just yeah. a matter of recognizing like when it's bad it's going to get better and sometimes when it's good it might get bad but it's like it's just understanding like hey life is 50/50 and sometimes there's going to be hard days and sometimes there's going to be good days and me letting go of like needing to control that and having grace with myself I think is like the best thing anybody could do for themselves when they're recovering or even just going through tough challenges whether that's mental health or physical
1: yeah and like I think too don't be surprised if like the eating disorder all of a sudden is like all of a sudden you just have this like flashback of like, Oh my gosh, I missed my eating disorder or whatever it is. I would say every month, not even kidding. Every month I have a couple days or like maybe even a week where I'm just like, what am I doing? Am I actually in recovery? Like, am I actually doing this? I've gained so much weight. Like I look so different. Like I, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. It's okay to have those moments. You just mm-hmm. don't let them define you and you move on like there's no shame in it you know of course you're gonna compare what like as human beings we're gonna compare to our past bodies or to our past selves just remember the best version of you is the recovery version of you like Mm. no matter how much you romanticize that past body the the past life that you had or think you had don't romanticize it snap yourself out of it push through and like don't let the eating disorder drag you back
0: love it yeah don't let it drag you back love that um I hope that you guys were all taking notes I took a ton and then I got so like into the conversation I was like shoot like I need to I need to start keep taking notes because I started forgetting stuff but um yeah I hope you guys are taking notes I learned a ton from you today Tori and I so appreciate you coming on um where can people find you like on socials
1: yeah, so I'm with Grow with Tori on Instagram. I just started a TikTok too, which is also Grow with Tori. Not as big on TikTok because just Same. I'm kind of I'm kind of new there and it's kind of interesting to me. I don't know. I think Insta is more of a community vibe, but yeah, definitely check me out on Insta and if you ever want to shoot me a DM, I love talking to people too. So as you can tell, I feel like I rambled this whole like podcast vibe. But no, you didn't. Yeah, no,
0: perhaps. you're good. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Um, I'm going to let's snap a quick pick on my phone in just a minute, but, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Let's-